Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuhu from the podcast team at Qalam. We wanted to wish you a very blessed Ramadan. This month you can expect daily uploads that will include reflections, khatiras and khutbas all from our new campus Alhamdulillah. If you benefit from this content, please give generously at supportqalam.com. 100% of your donations goes towards the means of providing accessible Islamic knowledge to people around the world. Jazakumullah khairan for listening. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah wa kafa wa salamun ala ibadihin ladhina astafa. Khususan ala Sayyidi Rasuli wa Khatimil Anbiya wa ala alihi al-askiya wa ashabihi al-atqiya amma ba'd. In the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَإِذَا سَمِعُوا مَا أُنزِلَ إِلَى الرَّسُولِ تَرَى أَعْيُنَهُمْ تَفِيذُ مِنَ الدَّمْعِ مِمَّا عَرَفُوا مِنَ الْحَقِّ These ayat are speaking of a Christian group of individuals who heard the Qur'an and it had such a profound impact on them that as people who did not even believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at that moment when they heard it there was a kafiya, there was a state that overcame them and as a result of it, their eyes began to flow with tears. Ibn Abbas while commenting on this verse, he said that this ayah was revealed regarding Najashi, the leader of Abyssinia. Ja'far Ja'far ibn Abi Talib When he was there, he recited some verses of Surah, um, Surah Maryam to him. And when Najashi heard these verses because they spoke of Maryam and Isa alayhi salam and these were individuals that he was very familiar with. It spoke of Yahya alayhi salam, Zakaria alayhi salam, prophets whose stories are mentioned in the Bible. When he heard the Qur'an's account and the eloquence to it, the beauty to it, he began to cry and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala captures the tears of that individual and in that moment in the Qur'an. وَإِذَا سَمِعُوا مَا أُنزِلَ إِلَى الرَّسُولِ تَرَاعِنُمْ تَفِيذُ مِنَ الدَّمْعِ مِمَّا عَرَفُوا مِنَ الْحَقِّ In order for a person to benefit from what the Qur'an has to offer, you need to ensure that when you approach the Qur'an, you are approaching it with the proper etiquette. This is the number one lesson of any path of love. That if you wish to grow in love with something, someone, you need to make sure that you are offering all the adab and all the etiquettes that are available in that moment to attract that person's love. As they say in Arabic, Oh friends, oh companions, ashab, bring in yourself good character. There is a way of doing things. People will just do things because it's easy for them, but then those that are looking for excellence won't just do things in the easiest manner. They will strategize and think that how can I get the most out of this moment? We look at the Sahaba when they sat, just physically sitting in front of Rasulullah there was an adab that they had as they sat before And the greatest manifestation of this can be seen in Hadith Jibreel. How an angel, and not just any angel, Sayyidul Malaika, the teacher of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, the one that came to Ghar Hira and gave confidence to Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam, embraced the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, who privately taught Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam for 23 years in this Hadith Jibreel, 
which occurs days before Rasulullah passed away. This incident occurred at the end of the Prophet's life. He comes in front of everyone and sits as a student in front of Rasulullah and showing us how a student interacts with their teacher. And it's fascinating because throughout the 23 years, Jibreel was the teacher, Rasulullah was a student. But now that revelation had come to an end, his role as a teacher was now done. He had retired from that position. And the maqam of Rasulullah had even surpassed that of Sayyidina Jibreel. Khayru khalqillahi kullihimi. The best of all creation. So to manifest this and to make this point loud and clear, Jibreel comes and sits in front of Rasulullah with adab, with beautiful garments, respectful manner, fully giving his attention to Rasulullah not distracted by anything because he knows that this is how a student is when they are in front of their teacher. Similarly, when it comes to the Qur'an, we can engage with the Qur'an as a casual passive book that we're reading, or we engage with the right etiquette. When we were students memorizing the Qur'an, before we even learned the letter of it, our teachers would reprimand us for bad character with the Qur'an. They would tell us, that when you read the Qur'an after you're done, don't just leave it open lying around where the pages are just disheveled and it's uncared for. Close the Qur'an, put it away properly. When I was young and I read these things, when our teachers told us these things, I thought it was excessive. But today I understand that without that adab at that point in our life, things wouldn't have been the same today. Today we understand the Qur'an to a higher degree because our teachers taught us those things. While preparing for this a particular session of ours, I was reading through some of the books that ulama of the past wrote on adab of the Qur'an. The most famous one probably in this chapter, or in this, in, in this writing, this category of writings, belongs to Imam Nawawi rahmatullahi At-Tabyan fi adabi hamlatil Qur'an. And then another famous one, isn't a book itself, but it's almost nine, ten pages that were dedicated by Imam Qurtubi rahmatullahi in his introduction to the adab of the Qur'an. And when I was reading Imam Qurtubi rahmatullahi's adab of the Quran, one of the things that he writes there is exactly this. He says, and from the adab of the Quran is that when you finish reading it, make sure you close it and respectfully put it away. When we were young, our teachers taught us that you don't hold the Quran with your left hand because that's the Quran you clean yourself with. If you won't feed your body with the left hand, how could you feed your soul by touching the Quran, which is a nourishment from your soul, with the hand that you use to clean yourself with? They would get upset with us. Our mashayikh would prohibit us from holding the Qur'an by our side where the Qur'an is in line with your behind. And they would say, hold it proud and put it against your heart. Don't swing the Qur'an around as if it's nothing. They would reprimand us for putting the Qur'an in our book bags because it would be behind our back. Now I know for some people this is excessive. Imam Qurtubi rahmatullahi alayhi in his adab of the Qur'an, in the muqaddimah of his tafsir, his famous ahkam al-Qur'an, he writes there, from against the adab of the Qur'an is to place the Qur'an on the ground. This is the kalam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Go a little above and beyond. Someone may say, but the bookshelves are at the front of the masjid, they're too far away from me. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam gave 23 years of the Qur'an, you can't give 23 seconds. And yes, it's true, it's a gesture, but gestures of adab mean everything. Addibu anfusakum ashab. That they're all based on good character. The greatest adab of the Qur'an, the greatest offering that a person can give to the Qur'an 
is that they are focused with their heart when they're reading it. You can put the Qur'an at a nice, beautiful place in your home, but if you're not reading it, then that's not the adab of the Qur'an. You can hold the Qur'an against your heart, but if you're not reading it, you're not bringing it into your life, you haven't completed the journey of that Qur'an. These things that I mentioned until now are the muqaddimat, they're like the appetizers. But the main meal is reading the Qur'an itself. And when you read it, that you are focused and that you give it everything you have. To that regard, Imam Ghazali rahimahullah ta'ala in the Ihya Ulumuddin has a chapter uh, dedicated to this where he talks about A'mal al-Batin fi tilawa Those things that need to be done internally when reading the Qur'an. He lists out 10 things. As I mentioned yesterday, due to limited time in this session, we won't be able to cover all 10 of them. But I will attempt to cover a few for the benefit of the gathering and for myself. Number one, he says, that you need to, before you even start reading the Qur'an, as you prepare to read it, focus on the greatness of what you are about to do. You are about to engage with the kalam, the speech of Allah Azza wa If a person picks up a letter that their mother sent them, or maybe some leader of the world sent them, they store it carefully, they read it carefully, they, you know, if they don't understand what it says, they have an interpreter, they pay an interpreter that, what does this government letter say? Can you please explain to me? I don't speak the language. Similarly, when you go to read the Qur'an, understand who this Qur'an is from. And the second thing he says is, لِلْمُتَكَلِّمِ So, respecting the, the, the content that you're about to read the Qur'an, and then, second thing that you need to focus on is the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because if you focus on the greatness of Allah and the greatness of this kalam, this book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it'll help you in accomplishing the third thing, and that is hudur al-qalb. That you present your heart. You bring it here. You don't allow it to be distracted. وَطَرْكُ حَدِيثٍ nafs. Any distractions you have in that moment, you get rid of them. And you don't read the Qur'an half-half. Where on one side you're doing one thing, on the other side you're half reading the Qur'an. وَإِذَا قُرِيَ الْقُرْآنُ فَاسْتَمِعُوا لَهُ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says when the Qur'an is recited Listen attentively And stay silent So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy will descend upon you The fourth thing Imam Ghazali says is tadabbur Which means to reflect on what's being recited Engage with it And for those of us who don't have access to the Arabic language, it is imperative that you learn some fundamental Arabic to understand the Qur'an. And if you're so far in your life where you feel that that's not going to happen, most likely in my case, first of all, have himma. Have some courage and try. But secondly, at least keep a translation of the Qur'an with you. We live in a world where there are durus of the Qur'an in every language available online. I'm not aware of any language in the world that people speak and there is a, 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 a decent population of people that engage with that language where people have not talked about the Qur'an. Alhamdulillah, this is the miracle of the Qur'an. So there's no excuse. Take the initiative and find a, 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 a method for yourself to engage with the Qur'an. For those of you who speak English and read English, there was a book actually originally written in Urdu, is a tafsir of the Qur'an, by Mufti Muhammad Shafi Sahib, rahimahullah ta'ala, called Ma'arif al-Qur'an, multiple volumes. 
May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward the team of individuals who translated it in English. He wrote this tafsir while keeping in mind that it would be consumed by the common individual. Most tafsir that are multiple volumes are written for scholarly individuals. So there's a lot of technicalities in them. Mufti Muhammad Shafi Sahib when he wrote the tafsir, he wrote it with this in mind, that I want this tafsir to be detailed. It's still that seven, eight volume set, massive. Yet the content and the delivery and the, the lessons that are there are accessible to every individual. Then he talks about tafahum, uh, which is not just reflecting the Quran, but intellectually understanding what the Quran is saying. Now this is a step ahead. This requires understanding and it requires some studying, sitting with shayukh and scholars. But this is from the adab of the Qur'an. Because if we don't have this, the, the worry and concern is that the Qur'an will become, if people don't engage spiritually with the Qur'an and they become profound reciters of the Qur'an who can articulate the letters and words accurately and they have beautiful voices, it becomes more of a stage show than actually engaging with revelation. Think about this. When people lead the salah and what they're doing is flexing their vocals and they have no understanding of what the Quran is saying and it's basically one TikTok video to the next, next TikTok video, we treat the Quran and the musalla more like it's some America's Got Talent show. Then understanding that this is not a flex, this is not a time for people to show off this is a place where you are doing ruku' in sujood in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We're interested in you having a good voice, but we're also interested in knowing how much you connect with the Qur'an. There is a big difference of someone coming and leading us in salah. May Allah reward all those who lead us and our beloved dear Imam Sa'id leading us in salah. And I say this not you know, to praise him, but we all have experienced this. When someone who understands what they're reading and someone whose life is dedicated to the Qur'an leads us in salah and someone has seniority and they lead us in salah, what more could we ask from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? What more could we want? This is why many jurists have openly said that children are not permitted to lead salah when there are adults present in that congregation. First, there's an issue of taklif, which is legality, whether that child is capable of leading salah or not, ahliya exists or not. But secondly, there should be some seniority there too. Rasulullah instructed this, that those who know the most should read. Those who are most senior, they are the ones that should read. We all need to build a meaningful relationship with the Qur'an. Mufti Mahmud Sahib who was one of the senior scholars in India who played an active role against British colonial rule. Muslims played a, a frontline role against the British powers of the time because of which many scholars were sent to prison. He was also shipped off to prison. When he was being sent off to prison, one of his students said that, I'd like to go to prison with him. He's my teacher. If you're taking my sheikh, take me. So they said, well, you didn't commit a crime. So he pushed the officer and said, now take me. So they shipped him off as well. When they came back from prison after they were released, Someone asked Sheikh Hussein that, tell us about your Sheikh and what happened. He said, well, he's told me not to share the stories of the prison with anyone, so I won't be talking about it. However, Sheikh Mahmoud, he gave this historical speech after he was released from prison. And later on, when he passed away, they saw that there were marks on his body because they would beat him for hours on end at night. And 
he said in his speech that I sat in the prison and I asked myself, because keep in mind, this is at a point where the Ottoman Empire is crashing down. The Muslims are massive in number. Oil is now being found in the Middle East. Slowly people are building wealth. The number of Muslims are so many, but no one is together. Everyone's broken. We've been divided by lines that a white man came and drew on our maps. That this is where your territory ends and this is where your territory begins. These lands were drawn on lands that they had never laid their eyes on. Completely dehumanizing the people that lived there and turning them into some sort of monopoly game board. So he said, I sat there in prison and I asked myself this question. That how are we Muslims being defeated and humiliated across the world? How is this possible? The numbers don't add up. We have the resources. We have the manpower. What's wrong? So then he said, there are two things that I have come to the conclusion of. Number one, we have left the Qur'an. The one thing that united us all. Shia, Sunni, Hanafi, Maliki, whatever E you have. The one thing that united all Muslims was what? The Qur'an. People may differ on legal issues. They may differ on their classifications of hadith but no Muslim will ever differ on the Qur'an. That is the bond that connects us all. He said we lost it. We lost our connection with the Qur'an. And the second thing that he said, we lost our unity. Ya Rabbi, inna qawmi al-Qur'ana mahjura, that they have abandoned the Qur'an. And the second thing, we lost our unity. We lost our Allah, we lost each other. Now we're just sitting ducks. They'll come and take us one by one and they'll play this game as long as they want and there is nothing that we can do to prevent it. Connection with the Qur'an. Imam Ghazali rahmatullahi alayhi, as he continues to, li to list out some of the adab of the Qur'an, he says, That you also need to abandon those things that prevent you from understanding the Qur'an. This is from the adab. So a simple example, I think in our day and age would be, that if you're sitting to read the Qur'an, and you know that your phone is there, it's sitting right in front of you, that is going to distract you from engaging with the Qur'an. So what you need to do, out of adab of the Qur'an is what guys? Put it away. You have the TV running there. What do you need to do? Turn it off. You have your headphones in, you listen to something. Take it out. You got the radio running. Turn that volume off. When you're focusing on the Qur'an, the adab of the Qur'an is that you give it everything. Similarly, he says that, ayakuna. Sometimes what happens is a person is so focused on pronouncing every letter properly that they're not even reflecting on what they're reading. Right? So focus on the message of the Qur'an. This isn't to take away from the right that we owe to the recitation of it, but don't let that overtake your engagement with the Qur'an. And he continues, I will share one hadith of Rasulullah and then move forward. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said as narrated by Imam Tirmidhi and Imam Ahmad إِنَّ الَّذِي لَيْسَ فِي جَوْفِهِ شَيْءٌ مِنَ الْقُرْآنِ كَالْبَيْتِ الْخَرِبِ Indeed the one that has no Qur'an in his heart at all is like an abandoned home. You sometimes, I don't know if you've gone for a hike and you're just in the middle of nowhere and you see this wood-like structure that's falling apart Nothing's inside, broken glass, empty beer cans lying around there. The place has been littered and there's spray paint all over it. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is saying that's what the heart of that individual is like. 
the one who doesn't have any Qur'an memorized. The call to action here is, in addition to having all these adab that we've spoken up, spoken of until now, memorize some Qur'an. If you have nothing memorized, start with the last 10 surahs. If those are done, finish off that juz. If that is complete, memorize those surahs that you should ideally recite on the daily. Surah Waqi'ah, Surah, um, surah Mulk, Surah Sajda, weekly Surah Kahf is there. And any other passages of the Qur'an that you enjoy, work on memorizing them and bringing them into your life. For the Prophet ﷺ said that every person will be given a rank in Jannah based off of how much they have memorized. اِقْرَأْ وَرْتَقِي وَرَتِّلْ كَمَا كُنْتَ تُرَتِّلْ فِي الدُّنْيَا فَإِنَّ مَنْزِلَتَكَ عِنْدَ آخِرِ آيَةٍ تَقْرَأُهَا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say that read and rise. And as you continue to read, فَإِنَّ مَنْزِلَتَكَ عِنْدَ آخِرِ آيَةٍ تَقْرَأُهَا Your abode will be at the last verse you recite. Someone who has 10 ayat memorized will be here. Someone who has 20 memorized will be there. And only Allah knows the maqam of those who have memorized the entire Qur'an. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us from those people who engage with the Qur'an and do not leave this Qur'an. Every part of the Qur'an is special. Every part of it is special. You should know that every ayah has the potential, the ability. Scrap that. Every word, every letter can change your life. This is the kalam of Allah. There is no more valuable thing this world has. Intaha. That's it. There's nothing else to say. That's the end of it. There's nothing anyone can offer that is more valuable than this Qur'an. It's the most important thing Rasulullah gave us, the most valuable thing you and I possess. You must engage with it. You must improve it. Don't let Ramadan be the end of your journey with the Qur'an. Continue it. Keep going. Imam Qurtubi in his, in, 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 from his adab, he writes that when you finish reading the Qur'an, start the next one right away. Read the first five verses of Surah Baqarah, read Surah Fatiha. That way your journey really doesn't end. And this is a practice, you'll notice that when our Imam finishes his uh, khatm of the Qur'an, two nights from now, they will finish Surah Nas and do what right away, guys? Start right again. And this is a message that this is a journey that we aren't willing to complete. And know that as you complete the Qur'an, every time you complete its recitation, there is special barakah that descends. Again, Imam Qurtubi in his Muqaddimah, while discussing the adab, he points out, he says regarding Anas bin Malik radiallahu anhu, that every time he would complete the Qur'an, he would gather his family together, everyone gathered together. People say, where does this tradition come of doing dua after khatm al-Qur'an, it's a bid'ah. This is no bid'ah. It's established from the practice of the Sahaba It's practice in the example of the Salaf. Imam, Imam Qurtubi gives multiple examples of this. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us from the people of the Qur'an, Ahl al-Qur'an, and make us from those that are special to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Wa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Muhammad. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.